Hello and welcome back to episode 32 of the T-Drift Film Buff Podcast. Wow, 32 episodes. It feels like, what has it been, 7, 8 months now of this thing since Game of Thrones started back up again and I kicked off the freaking podcast after so many years of telling myself I would. Um, but yeah, actually there's, there's a lot more news this week or really just a lot more stuff I wanted to get to than typical. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and start off this episode as we kind of have, it feels like for a majority of the last two months, uh, which is the news of, of some new Batman casting, uh, for Matt Reeves is supposedly titled the Batman for late June, 2021, I believe is the release date. Um, last week they cast John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, um, as with almost every single one of Matt Reeves' choices so far, this is just, it's a very interesting choice for Carmine Falcone. Not that, that really the role is is big. I, I guarantee it's more of a, it's probably the same amount of screen time as Carmine Falcone had in Batman Begins in 2005, which I cannot believe was 14 years ago. Um, it, it's, it's curious. Every single choice they made so far is not hasn't been my first choice. I, I think the only one that made so much freaking sense uh, was Paul Dano as, as the Riddler. Everybody else was like, okay, that's a little bit outside the uh, you know the wheel of, of uh, the thought. I can't even think of the phrase to use. It's so freaking strange. Um, like it, when they announced. Or when when Robert Pattinson, Bobby Batts himself, was rumored uh, back in February of 2019, I think it was. Uh, I remember being like, "That's a very weird choice," and I have seen him in good stuff in the past. And like, you know, clearly I can see why they would approach a guy like that. He's got a lot of fame. He's got a ton of fans. Uh, having a ton of fans is always helpful for these sort of things. Um, big budget movies like studios love that they love a big following just ask the rock like <laughs> the guy gets offered every big action movie in the last like seven eight years because his following on social media is so massive and he's so good at promoting stuff um bobby bats definitely it's certainly a different performer certainly a different presence not only in the media because i'm not really sure he even has much of social media presence um but just the, the, the personality vibe you get from Bobby Bats, not somebody I'd expect they would cast as Bruce Wayne, but it makes more sense as the months come go on. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is Selena Kyle Catwoman. It's a solid choice. Like I liked her a lot in Big Little Lies, um, especially in material that I didn't think was the strongest in the show. She still stood out as a really good performance, just the character itself, not necessarily the uh, the most well-rounded on the show. Um Andy Serkis' Alfred Pennyworth only really makes sense because he's, he's good buddies with Matt Reeves after a couple of Apes films. Um, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, which I'm not sure if that's been full. Has Colin Farrell fully signed down yet, or is he still in talks? I don't know if Matt Reeves has uh, you know, sent out his usual you know, tweet when he confirms a, a cast member. Um, let's, let's go ahead and check Matt Reeves' Twitter see if he's got any recent tweets here because he you know of course he has one with John Turturro he's got one with Andy Serkis 
uh, Gordon. But yeah, he he has not actually tweeted out the because he tweeted one out with Paul Dano, Michael Giacchino uh, signing on, Zoe Kravitz. But curiously, Colin Farrell is the only one who he hasn't really given a shout out to. So that's that's actually yeah, I didn't fully think about that until now. Um, but honestly, that, that makes me think of maybe he's not fully signed on to Penguin. Um, or maybe he just doesn't really have a social media presence either, and he just didn't feel like tweeting out about it. I don't know. Anyway, Paul Dano is the riddler makes complete sense, as I said. Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon. When you think about it, of course, it makes sense. Just wouldn't have been the first thought in my mind. Um, uh, of course, the young actress uh, that, that's straight out of like Broadway seems to be getting good reviews for her stuff there. Just didn't know she was an actress of course she didn't even have an IMDb, imdb profile before this movie um so yeah she was cast in the movie as well ja- jaime lawson or jamie lawson i don't know if that's just a different way you pronounce or spell jamie um but uh so let's see and then john Turturro is carmen falcone so i'm not against the casting i think the guy's a good actor like just just watch gloria bell from earlier this year and you'll see that he's a very very solid actor um just wouldn't have been my first choice so i I don't know we'll we'll wait and see on that one um let's see let's let's move on to the other side of the dc universe the other uh, side of batman v superman that's henry cavill uh he apparently has come out and said he's not done playing superman and the cape is still in the closet um tricky one here because this is fantastic news we haven't really heard from henry cavill himself if he's still playing superman like i remember um what was it last christmas almost he was like videoing himself on instagram with like a toy of superman or something like what what was that post all about nobody really knew um but we all were like oh is this confirmed that he's still playing superman it's like he didn't even say anything he just posted a video of him with the the toy um, and it's, it's just great news in general that he's saying this, but with that said, it doesn't mean anything until Warner Brothers comes out and confirms, you know, either he's playing Superman in Black Adam, or he's playing him in Shazam 2, or he's showing up in Aquaman 2, or they're going to freaking finally make a Man of Steel 2 with J.J. Abrams directing, perhaps? Uh, it just, it seems inevitable at this point, but it, it, it's just like, I mean, why can't you just come out and announce it? It's, it's, it's so frustrating that their best, probably their best casting choice of the DC universe so far has been Henry Cavill, in my opinion, and they just never gave him a proper sequel. Like, Batman v Superman, I do actually like the movie. This, the, uh, the director's cut, or the extended edition, whatever, the ultimate cut. Uh, as they say, the ultimate edition, whatever the hell it's called, uh, is a pretty solid movie. It's way too long, um, and Justice League, you know, it's better left, uh, better less said than than more, uh, in that case. But uh, I would still love to see a second Man of Steel movie. I just need to hear it from Warner Brothers, not Henry Cavill. Um, <sighs> Noah Hawley is signed on to write and direct. Uh, the next Star Trek movie, and apparently will have the Kelvin Timeline cast and crew still on board for this one. So this this is this is the, the weirdest part about it is that okay, so we have that Tarantino movie that you know is supposedly happening. 
And I thought that it came out that Tarantino wanted to make a Star Trek movie with that cast. Um, but maybe that's not the case anymore. But apparently that's going to be completely separate. Uh, and then we have, of course, uh, this sequel here. Um, uh, the, what was it? Jane Goldman? Was she the one who was attached to direct? Or was it... Um, there was somebody else attached to direct Star Trek 4 when the whole rumor with Chris Hemsworth coming back was going to happen and then Star Trek Beyond kind of bombed so they didn't want to pay everybody as much as they usually do Pine and Hemsworth were hoping for a bigger payday and and to their right they said no we're not going to do this until you give us you know uh, the pay increase so that that brings to the question like are they just paying Pine what they wanted to and just not having Hemsworth aboard which is what I would assume is happening because it's a totally different director and I highly doubt that Noah Hawley will really uh, adhere to any sort of storylines they had before. I think he's going to do his own thing with this movie. And I'm, I'm getting the sense that if Noah Hawley signs on to a Star Trek movie, the guy's got to be a, probably a, a pretty big Trek fan, right? He's got to be a pretty big Trekkie. Maybe he grew up with it um, a lot when he was younger. Maybe it was his favorite franchise or something. But he seems to me like he's a guy that is only signing on to something if he actually knows he has a specific vision for it. Um, I love Fargo. It's one of my favorite shows of the last decade. Probably top 15 shows of all time for me that I've seen at least. Um, I tried Legion. I watched the first, I don't know, three or four episodes. Couldn't get into it. I thought something like that is just not for me. Um I haven't seen Lucy in the Sky yet, but I'm curious to see what he does with that movie, even though the reviews have not been great. Um, so, I don't know. It's just such a it's a, it's a weird choice. Again, this, this, this whole podcast so far has just been all about weird stories. Um, and this is certainly one of the weirder ones. But, hey, I'm willing to give it a shot. I really, really love the last three Star Trek movies, especially Star Trek Beyond. So, uh, I'm excited for this one coming up. Um, oh God, I mean, we have Michael Jackson biopic in the works from the Bohemian Rhapsody producer. There's no studio on board yet, so it's really not certain that this movie's even going to get picked up. I mean, it's going to be like I was listening to Jeff Snyder's podcast, the, the, the Snyder Cut. Like, the, the balls on, on whatever studio is willing to pick this movie up, right? I mean, that's after the Leaving Neverland documentary earlier this year, which was absolutely terribly unsettling to watch again everything's uh, allegedly he's never been convicted in a court of law Uh, but do i really want to see a movie about michael jackson like am i really going to be in the in the theater uh, you know bouncing on bumping along to his his famous songs that are great um like i did with bohemian rhapsody i mean i don't think so i don't think i really want to see that so I don't even know if this is going to end up hitting the big screen, but it is uh, something worth 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 noting that they have, in fact, uh, you know, put it in the works. So let's get into this whole Joker two. Is it happening? Is it not happening? Rumor stories, confirmation that was going around last week. It's like THR puts out one article. I think they put out like two articles actually about this. Um, that the Joker two is happening. Todd Phillips has been in meetings with Warner Brothers, Walking Phoenix has an option for Joker 2. Like, you know, I, I, I don't... I, like I said in the review for the first Joker movie, like, do I really ever need to see that movie again? I did see it twice, but do I really ever need to see it again? No. 
And did, did I do I really think there should be a sequel? Absolutely not. That movie stands on its own, should not even be touched. Um, of course, I understand why they want to make a second one. The movie made over a billion dollars, and it's still in theaters doing well. Like, I completely understand why they would want to do it. Uh, I just don't really want to see it at all. Um, God, and then the story about Todd Phillips making like $100 million on the first Joker movie. Like, the guy's a freaking genius. He d- declines his his, uh, his his money up front so that he can get like 9 to 10% on the back end. The guy's going to make like a fucking $110 million in this movie or something. Like, that is insane. I mean... I don't even really know why Warner Brothers would sign that deal. Like ten percent of the movie's gross. Uh, it seems like a lot. Even if it, even if the movie makes like two hundred million, like guys making twenty million dollars, I wouldn't. I would certainly not do that. But, um, you know, hey, the more power to the guy. I mean, that's it's pretty fucking boss that he's able to do that. Uh, but the deadline comes out and say no, they're not. They're not having meetings. Uh, this is not set in stone. You know, it's just like, of course, it's come up, but like they're not headed. There's nothing's official. They've never even gotten the green light to actually write the film. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. I think it's all negotiations at this point. You know, it's probably inevitable that there will be a sequel to this movie. Um, but really, it comes down to, I think, if Walking Phoenix wants to do this. Because mm-hmm. I think Todd Phillips, you know, they could say, hey, we'll give you, you know, $40 million on this movie or something, even though I don't think that, that they would. They would be silly to do that, but Todd Phillips will make. You know, it's not even, probably not even about money. Like if he has a story he wants to do it, Warner Brothers would say absolutely. It really just comes down to if if they can get Walking Phoenix back because there is no Joker two without Walking Phoenix, um, and really there shouldn't be a Joker two at all. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, I thought I would cover this, even though this uh, God, it was just so ridiculous. Like. I had heard that the Call of the Wild trailer was released last week, and I've actually been excited because I remember reading this book, or quote-unquote reading the book, uh, back in, I think, sophomore and junior year of high school, so it's probably 10 years ago now. Um, But I remember it being pretty dang good. I remember having plenty of discussions in class about the book, and hearing Harrison Ford's coming on board, um, and I think it is this one distributed by Disney? Like, I feel like it is. Um... So yeah, to, to hear to hear that they're doing that, uh, Harrison Ford's on board. Um, yeah, like I mean, I was I was excited, and then like okay, the, the trailer wasn't getting good reviews. I'm like, I don't really need to watch this right now. Um, oh, it's a 20th Century Fox movie, but uh, you know, of course, now it is Disney. It, it is Disney. It released February 21st, 2020. Budget on this thing was $91 million. You probably could have cut $10 million off that if you would have actually put a real freaking dog in this movie instead of CGI dog. Why do you have a CGI dog? I know the movie's about like dogs being in peril. Um, or the book, I should say. Uh, and there's like racing, survival stuff. And it's like, okay, no, I completely get it. Like You don't want to put a dog in harm's way for that. But for certain scenes, like if, you, if you're a good enough filmmaker, and of course it's, it's me sitting down you know, recording a podcast saying this, but if you're a good filmmaker, you know how to shoot uh, a film with a, a real-life dog with sequences of, of them being in peril. You don't need to have a freaking CGI dog do it. Um, and the worst part about it is I think the movie actually looks pretty fucking good uh, if it weren't for the stupid CGI dog. Like if they would have just cast a regular dog, I think it would have been pretty solid. I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a shot, but 
it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Uh, Daniel Craig came out and said that No Time to Die will be his final Bond film. Yeah, well, that's no shit. Well, we kind of knew that, didn't we? Uh, we we knew that this was not this, he was not going to do another film after this. He was barely even going to come back for this one. Uh, he had wanted to. Um, I remember him saying like in the Spectre interviews, he was like, "I'd rather slash my wrist or whatever than make another Bond film." Then what do you know? A year later, he signed on to it, and then they're writing the script and everything. It's like okay, you know, Daniel Craig can say this all he wants, I guess. Um, but I guess I I really do think that even if Daniel Craig wanted to come back to the studio, he'll probably be like, "Hey, we want to go in a different direction." You've been Bond for 14 years now, because by the time the movie comes out, he, it will be almost 14 years that he was Bond. Uh, it's about time they get some new blood in there. And I would still, I would still be okay if they wanted to cast Idris Elba or Richard Madden, both stars of The Take, uh, in that that titular role. So. Uh, let's move on to another spy franchise, and uh, dare I say, mm. the best spy franchise of all time and definitely the best active spy franchise perhaps one of the best franchises in general that are active uh it's mission possible and uh they have cast palm clementif i believe that's how you pronounce her name uh, in an unspecified role in both mission impossible 7 and 8 um the only thing about this that uh, that seemed curious, right? So, so McHugh, Chris, Christopher McFarry has been kind of announcing cast members via his Instagram uh, with many other things. Uh, but the reason why I think it's both 7 and 8 uh, is that he did hashtag MI7-8 uh, in his Instagram post. And, like, you don't—why would you put the 8 in there if she's actually not going to be an 8? But he did do the same sort of thing with Haley Atwell. But I think in his Instagram, like, I, I want to say he actually said— that she will be in both um, Mission Impossible 7 and 8. But let's double-check that here. Let's double-check that. Uh, no, he just said, okay, Haley Atwell, should you choose to accept? Okay, uh, whatever. Um, anyway, it's exciting. Like, I think she's been, she was good in Avengers Infinity War, uh, liked her in her bit role in Avengers Endgame, didn't really have much to do there anyway, no. I mean, there's many actors that didn't really have much to do in that movie, but it's okay because it was the original Avengers movie, really. Uh, and then I do love, as the phone rings in the background here, uh, I, I, I did enjoy her presence in Guardians 2, but I felt like that was kind of like a caricature. There wasn't really much to that character other than like a, a side piece to, to Drax's story, but they, I thought they really nailed it um, in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, so that's exciting. I can't wait till we actually get some news on what that movie is all about. I would assume they're going to start filming probably spring into the summer of next year since they are filming back-to-back. Um, so wait and see on that one. Uh, I saw Frozen 2 yesterday. It is fantastic. Uh, maybe not as good as the first one, but it is f- pretty freaking solid. Uh, some great songs in there. Only probably three to maybe four that I would actually actively listen to. There's a couple in there that are just so unnecessary and seem to be just for the fans. Not really much effort into them that I thought could have been taken out of the movie completely. Um, But the story is is sweet, uh, just as the first one is. It ends on a a really, really bittersweet and heartfelt moment. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, there's even moments where I did start to tear up a little bit. I think 
that maybe the emotional impact of the first one was felt throughout the movie, whereas this one was more, you know, closer to the end. But there's really there's some interesting story developments in this one that I think will be a good closer for the franchise if they do decide to not make another one, which, you know, it's probably like the Toy Story franchise where they're just going to let it sit. If they have a good idea, they'll talk about it and maybe make it. But it's not going to be like Cars where they're just kind of cranking out sequel after sequel uh, just because they sell toys and not because of the quality of the script. Um, let's talk about a few episodes here. So both Friday's Mandalorian Episode 3 and The Walking Dead Mid-Season Finale last night. Both really, really excellent episodes, actually. Uh, on the Mandalorian side of things, I think Deborah Chow, or, sorry, Deborah Chow uh, did an incredible job uh, directing the third episode of The Mandalorian. And as I said last week, you know, I wasn't... I wasn't thrilled with the second episode of the, the Mandalorian. I just thought it was kind of it was a stagnant episode. There wasn't much happening. People were like, "Oh, it could just be because they wanted it to be, you know, part one and two are just kind of one story because they're releasing it all in one week with Disney Plus launch." Yeah, but it's like you still have to make a good. Like, even if it is that, you still have to make a good story. You have to make it flow. Um, and I just was not a fan of the second episode. It kind of made me dislike the first episode a little more, but I was so excited about where the show was going in general anyway with, spoiler, Baby Yoda, uh, that, of course, I was willing to give another shot. I was, I was never not going to finish the show, even if it was bad, um, but the third episode is excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, like I'm starting to like the music a little more, I found, um, there's still some parts to the actual, like, you know, Creed part of, of the music that it feels like the Creed and Rocky theme that I just I wish they didn't have in there. But I really like everything else that, um, what is it, is it Gorenson? Lubbock Van Gorenson? Lubbock Gorenson? Is that who it is? I don't know. Uh, I like the stuff he's doing there. I love that uh, it's only, it feels like every episode now they have a specific quote uh, that a character is saying that makes the rounds and it's like this week it was this is the way uh, which is what the fellow mandalorian say to each other and versus you know last week's i have spoken the ugnats say that um yeah no i mean it's it's um it's good i'm, I'm glad the show exists i just hope it's not like every other week i'm like oh that episode was great and then that episode was like feels like a filler and it didn't really feel like there was much there story-wise I hope it's not that way, um, but there's there's some other I mean there's some other cool things in, in the episode, including uh, the John Wick three moment as everybody's calling it, and I immediately wrote that down in my notes when I was watching it. You know when everybody kind of looks at um, Mando uh, when you know they realize he betrayed the the bounty hunter code, whatever you want to call it, and he he's saving the kid and killing everybody else. Um, I love that that moment was cool. Felt like a little ripped off. I'm not sorry, not John Wick 3. I'm talking about John Wick 2. Uh, I guess you could say it was a little John Wick 3 as well because that movie really is just him versus the world of uh, assassins. But it's really John Wick 2 that has that moment in it. But I'm actually really, like, as the show goes on, I'm feeling more and more the connection between the Mandalorian and uh, Baby Yoda and how he sees himself in Baby Yoda. Um it's it, it's it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent 
and I, I think they're really nailing that storyline right now. Hopefully that continues. Um, I mean, the action was great. I thought the tension throughout the 37-minute or 39-minute episode, whatever it was, was really, really cool as well. Uh, of course, the visuals look great. We already knew that was going to happen, except for what, a little bit in episode one that didn't look completely right green screen-wise. Um, really, it's all great. All great stuff all around. And really, this episode kind of shows you that the length of the episode doesn't matter. Like, when we had that, like, 28-minute episode last week, it was like, I mean, what, what are we doing here? Like, th- th- these things should be longer. You're trying to stel- You're trying to tell, you know, a long-form story here. Make the episode longer. Uh, so I'm fine with, like, a high 30, low 40-minute episode. You just have to make it feel like it's, like, a... An actual event and not just a, you know, a little animated clip, um, if you will. Um, but let's move on to The Walking Dead episode last night, the mid-season finale. Uh, the Cold War continues, really. I mean, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Uh, I loved seeing Rosita kick Dante's ass right off the bat. I loved it last week on Talking Dead. You got the clip uh, of Dante kind of going to Rosita being like, oh, no, 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 uh, Sadiq's fine. He was just uh, called over to what's-her-name's house that she had a cold or whatever. Um, I love that clip, and I love the way that episode starts. It's just tension-filled. You think that that's like a uh, something you put in like the third act of an episode, but that just kicked it off. I love, I love seeing her kick ass because when was the last time we actually saw Rosita kick ass? It's been like, it feels like three or four years since she's actually had a good storyline. Maybe it was that first season with Negan, so three years ago, that she had some good stuff I'm back at Alexandria. Um, speaking of characters going off, I really love Gabriel, Father Gabriel, killing Dante, just stabbing him like 40 times. What was that all about? Um, did not expect that to happen, especially when he walked in that cell. Uh I know Seth Gilliam said on Talking Dead that the character never expected to leave that uh, cell without somebody being dead. Um, but, uh, I mean, I certainly didn't expect that as an audience member. I mean, Gabriel himself has just been a very, just, you know, and rightfully so, just been, he just stands there, he talks about what's going on. Yeah, usually it's very peaceful remarks. There's not much violence involved with him. And just I mean, taking a look at his character arc since first season he was in was like early season four I believe he appeared when he's all nervous in that church quiet and alone it's like man I mean where he's come from from there to here it's it's impressive it is is certainly impressive and uh yeah I, I the show is this this season I'm, I'm still not gonna say it's better than last season because last season just felt like it's a roller coaster. Like one thing happened one week, another character was introduced another week. It was like, it was just awesome. Like it just week to week, you just never knew what you were gonna get. Even if there were a couple filler episodes here and there, but uh, this episode, it's like it feels very structured. Um, you know, you know what you're gonna get. It's just the Cold War, right? So it's it's not gonna have any massive battle sequences, at least uh, for now. Uh, maybe towards the end of this season. Um, if they really are wrapping up the Whisperer storyline by the end of the season, which I feel like they are. Uh, I feel like that is something they're going to do. I don't think they're going to want to go into another season uh, with fans, with another cliffhanger. It's like, I think they've kind of learned their lesson with the Negan storyline, uh, as much as I did love that story. I think they've learned their lesson there. Um, but yeah, no, it, 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 I love just the sense of paranoia uh, throughout 
uh, you know, not only this episode, but just the season in general, just because you, ha- you you feel the whispers presence even when they're not on screen. Like what this episode only had brief moments of Samantha Morton playing Alpha and, and Dante. You had that one scene in the beginning. You have the scene where Alpha's leading them into the the ditch, but other than that, there's really no whispers. There's no Lydia. There's no Beta. Little bit of Gamma, but can you even consider her a whisper at this point because she's essentially the mole. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's very curious the way they're structuring it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm certainly digging it. The only real uh, downside to the episode was I, I feel like the guy from the island uh, over at Oceanside just kind of appeared there. It's like, okay, this, this feels a little contrived um, that, that we're needing Michonne to not be in the show for three or four episodes because her contract was only eight episodes this year, or seven, whatever it was. Um, it feels like just an easy way for them to explain why she's not there for the next three or four weeks. But um, it, it, it still, it leaves you in a different place than when it started. Michonne is going to be on her own adventure. Apparently, uh, that guy who played the, uh, the Islander is going to be in the show for quite a few more episodes this year. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited what the second half will have. Uh, I think, I mean, that trailer for the second half of episodes was absolutely thrilling. Uh, and I cannot wait to see what they do. Cause I mean, it just, it looked, it looked so intense and so different than the first half. Um, so, so we'll see. And we still haven't seen that shot in the show with, uh, Michonne and, uh, Lucille, which we saw at the Comic-Con trailer they filmed months ago. And they showed us that four months ago, the show just wrapped, I think this past week of season 10 officially. Um, so, uh, it's weird. We haven't seen that shot yet. Uh, so curious when that's going to appear. I mean, you got to believe Michonne's coming off the island. I know people are like, oh, she's going to die on the island. Is she never going to make it back? Or is this the way that she gets shipped off to go see Rick for the movies? Like, I don't know. And what what is happening with those movies, by the way? Can, can what's-his-name give us any update? I mean, I feel like it's been forever that we've actually had any sort of update on those movies. It's been over a year since they announced it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. And then you have that Walking Dead spinoff show coming next year, which I absolutely will not be watching. Um, but hey, the universe is growing. This podcast has grown. We got episode thirty-two in the books now. Um, plenty of news to be tackled this week, and yeah, that that should just uh, about do it. Let me double check if there's no more news. Yeah, see so the Batman casting news. Henry Cavill's coming back. The Star Trek, okay. Frozen two. Then the reviews. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's about it. I think, you know, The Mandalorian and Walking Dead, both fantastic episodes. Frozen two is great. A lot of stuff to watch right now. I still got to go see 21 Bridges and The Good Liar and Knives Out this week. And uh, what else we got? Marriage Stories coming out. Irishman's coming out. It's like a lot of stuff happening. I'm excited for it. Awards season is upon us. Um, and yeah, that'll just about do it. Have a Mandalorian-filled week. See ya.